0: Could you state your fake name and age for the record, please?
1: Lonely Ryder, 67.
0: I'm going to ask you a series of questions. There is no right answer. Please be as honest as you can. All right. How old were you when you first bought your first Posh stock, stock? 65. How did it make you feel?
1: I don't know. <clears throat> it was um, a mixture of. Uh, medicinal hope, and also financial bonanza.
0: Did you buy more after that? I sure did. Have you bought recently? Mm, Yep. Have you ever lied about your pot stock purchases?
1: No. But I've hidden them from family members, yeah.
0: Have your loved ones ever criticized you for your Pot stock purchases? Yeah. Why do you think you keep buying pot stocks? Because I need to make my money back. When was the longest time you ever went without buying a pot stock? Six months. Seven months. Have you ever lied about your pot stock purchases? No. buy pot stocks to avoid buying other types of investments?
1: I started with other types of investments and then went to pot
0: stocks. Sold all the other ones. Do your pot stock purchases ever cause you to feel guilty, trapped, or helpless about the future? That's a good one. <laughs> uh, no You're listening to The Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, the sound of global investor relations. Hi, everyone. Cannabis investors had such high hopes. Who would have guessed that selling pot was so much harder than it looked? Cannabis stocks have shed about a quarter of their value in this year's first half. That's on top of a 50% drop last year. Now, the brand new industry may indeed turn out to be a surefire once-in-a-lifetime ground-floor investment opportunity. One U.S. investment bank figures the legal cannabis business will mushroom to a $50 billion market by 2026. But for now, cannabis is couch-locked. And the industry's listless depression began long before COVID came along. So, I wanted to know... What's up with that? I mean, it's pot. And what sort of IR will bring cannabis back to the investor party? Who better to assuage my ignorance than Jeffrey Goldberger? Jeffrey is managing partner at IR and PR consultant, KCSA Strategic Communications. KCSA has carved out a specialized communications niche at the intersection of cannabis, culture, and capital markets. And with investor surveys and also online virtual cannabis conferences, KCSA stays closely in touch with the street. So I began our conversation by for his overall sense of market sentiment. The vibe, if you will. It's
1: an interesting question. I, I think the, the overall tone towards cannabis is guarded. The publicly traded cannabis companies have been under a lot of pressure pre-COVID
0: mm-hmm.
1: for maybe the last 18 months. So all the high-flying companies that raised a tremendous amount of money over that preceding period have performed very poorly within the public sector. Um, capital has become tighter, and the performance of these stocks has been you know, pretty dismal, to be frank. Yeah. Um,
0: making money has been pretty hard
1: but as I've always said I I, it's not very dissimilar to what happened at the dot com era that a lot of people jump in there's a lot of initial euphoria Mm -hmm. the the market maybe a little Darwinism uh, survival of the fittest or the best market uh, the the best conceived marketing plan uh, the best financed and the best team to execute will win so what I've been hearing a lot from the bankers that participate actively in the space is that um, in particular now with COVID and the capital markets becoming even tighter, that there are lots of discussions going on about consolidation, larger players with larger players, larger players taking on smaller players, and we'll likely see some bankruptcies.
0: Hmm. But you're comparing so the, it basically to, I mean, the the cannabis story investment argument is the dot com or you know post prohibition, I guess would be another.
1: Well, but now fast forward to where we are today, you know, they're no longer called dot com plays, but hmm. um, so many you know so many of the bigger companies with the highest market caps in the world are what would be considered dot com or internet companies. Hmm. The market has shown that there is a strong desire for cannabis investments, not dissimilar to also the uh, biotech industry, uh, the life science, where it's cyclical and lumpy in nature. Um, we believe as a firm, I believe as an individual, that this market is going to bounce back. But I don't have a crystal ball to say when.
0: Okay. You said it's been frozen for the last year and a half, but... but oh since uh, you've been in business so, for five or six years now right
1: well w- my firm's been in business for fifty, but we've been we've been in the cannabis space for six plus years right. which 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 makes us long in the tooth mean, meaning mm. that we've been in the space uh almost since its inception in the public markets um, the the initial movement uh towards financing these couple of companies in a public marketplace uh came out of Canada where the markets allowed um, that to occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the the bankers behind these transactions were Canadian firms, such as Canaccord Genuity and GMP. Uh, there were very few participants early on uh, out of the U.S.-based uh, firms. But uh, that has changed. Uh, so the likes of Cowan and Jeffries and Stiefel um, have started to raise capital for cannabis companies yeah. um, and even the bulge bracket firms are starting to look at raising capital in this space. So that has been a, that's been a seed change. But as I said earlier, the, the federal illegality um, made it difficult. It's not near impossible to raise uh, public capital for cannabis companies. And that still remains, um, that remains in place. Um, so that's kind of the historical view. And then over the last, call it 18 months, the mm-hmm. cost of capital has increased dramatically. Um, so most of the money early on was raised in the equity markets. Right. Now, now there is a debt component, hmm. but that debt has been very costly. Call it 10, 12, 13, 14% coupons. Um, that's expensive money. That's really expensive money. And some of the larger um, cannabis companies have raised money at those levels. So if it's that difficult and that costly for one of the larger participants to raise capital, it gets exponentially more difficult for the smaller players to raise capital.
0: Wow, yeah. And And as you say, it's primarily, until now, the market really is retail. It has been
1: very much a retail play. So you brought up the idea of uh KCSA hosting uh, virtual conference mm-hmm. conferences. Um we've done this for the last three years. They've been very well attended, but when we do a, a review of the audience, the audience is roughly seventy five percent retail, meaning individual investors, with the remainder uh being institutions and family offices.
0: Really? So, so, they're showing up to the conferences are they are they putting their money where their their conference list years are as well?
1: Well, I mean, the conferences are really not to raise capital. they are to raise awareness for any particular virtual investor conference we'll have call it seven to twelve companies, do a presentation, a formal presentation, then have q and a, and then that is again archived so the people that couldn't participate in the live uh, presentation can review the um, presentation at their leisure at home. Mm -hmm. Um, We just hosted uh, the latest iteration earlier this week. It was very well attended. Um, And again, the interest remains, um, but again, the marketplace is is pretty difficult and, and people are reviewing their options of who they believe are going to be the winners over the long term.
0: I'm still a little confused about why why there is so little institutional um, participation in this market. Uh, what's it going to take to 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 bring them in? Well, when, in, in a big in, way,
1: sure. In a big way is when the when becomes federally legal in the United States. So what will happen? Very often, is we we do non deal roadshows for a lot of our cannabis clients. We will and do get uh, meetings with institutions and family offices. Mm. Family offices. You know, have a very broad mandate. They can invest in basically anything they want. But when you get to institutions, uh, most of them are precluded from investing in federally illegal enterprises. So what very often happens is a meeting will take place. The fund manager will say, "I love the story. I can't invest at the fund level, but I will invest." on a personal level, and they'll go into the market (laughs) and they will go invest. And, and, you know, the other thing that we have seen, uh, so Leaf is one of the larger um, Mm -hmm. multi-state operators called MSOs. They're out of Boston. And then there's another one called Acreage, which is based out of New York. And they collectively uh, raised um, hundreds of millions of dollars a number of years ago. When Acreage, uh, did its, uh, transaction, uh, most of the money was raised through retail investors. Mm-hmm. And Purely, um, had a combination of retail, but they also got some very strong institutional support. So they were one of the first and few of the larger players to, to garner at the outset institutional support. Mm-hmm
0: let's let's pull back a little bit and one thing i'm kind of fascinated on on jeffrey is like 6 years ago when you were sitting around there and you were just uh pondering the explosion of this market and uh, i don't know if you had a timeline in place for it being you know completely federally legal and so on but 6 years ago you said there's going to be hundreds of companies that are going to want to list. They're going to have special problems. We're talking about a, a group of people who perhaps perhaps they valued discretion at one point. Um, it wasn't necessarily their, their, their strong point. You had to shepherd them through. Can you just talk about sure. that? I think that's fascinating that anyone would even...
1: So, this is, so lots of ways to slice this. So I wish I could say that we had tremendous um, foresight into what was to become But the truth of the matter is, roughly six years ago, KCSA got involved with one of the early applicants uh, for a license in the state of New York. Mm -hmm. There were roughly 20 applicants at that point, and we supported that effort by raising awareness of of the industry and what our client
0: was doing. We're talking about Uh, medical marijuana at this point.
1: Medical marijuana license. Thank you. And ultimately, our client did not get one of the licenses, but... From a public relations perspective, this company garnered more uh, media exposure than any of the other applicants combined. Hmm. And from there, my one of my partners, Lewis Goldberg, had early foresight believing that the cannabis industry was going to be a big industry. How big and when it was going to unfold, we did not know. But that early entree into the space set us up to... to Build a business around that. And so, from there, I mean, and you hit upon this, the cannabis industry was a gray market industry. It was a back alley transaction. There was yeah. no need and no desire to raise one's profile.
0: Um, suddenly, they're in a shame. totally new culture, like and you have to tell them that, I guess, right?
1: <laughs> Correct? Well, it wasn't just us telling them that, but they these individuals, many of which don't weren't traditional cannabis producers. These were business people who saw an opportunity, put a business plan together, and went out to raise capital. So they weren't the guy that's growing marijuana in Humboldt County in California. These were established business people, many of them coming from finance. Hmm. So they knew that they needed to communicate, and Part of our job was to take the stigma out of cannabis and talk about the virtues of it and why this is a promising business and why it made sense and 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 what we did was basically do what we do for all of our clients is put together a communications platform that allows these people to communicate with various stakeholders from from the government and regulators to the financial markets to consumers and partners and so it was something that kcSA' has been doing for fifty years, so it was easy to put it around this new industry.
0: seems like a slam dunk, actually. I would say convincing retail investors that this is a a good investment
1: <laughs> well right. and, and, that, and, and, and that's the way that it's played out. The retail investors have dominated um, you know people are speculators, and people like to to invest at least a certain portion of, of their money investable income into things where they can have a real winner, not to just double their money, but they hope to do much better than that. And that idea of, of, of being at the forefront mm-hmm. of an industry is very enticing to people. And that's what the retail marketplace has historically shown, whether we're talking internet companies or oil and gas companies, when those are hot or Life sciences, when those are playing out, people want to jump in.
0: That's the story. But can you, can you talk about, I mean, can you sort of assess the overall level of trust now? I mean, uh, there's a credibility gap in the industry, right, uh, amongst these retail investors. My understanding is they're they're thinking now, uh, we've lost a lot of money. Um, it looks like some of the institutions, in fact, who sold us this stuff have have actually been short selling it. And, and just, you know, just general weirdness in the market. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you address that?
1: Personally, I think it's less of a trust issue. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's more of an execution issue. Hmm. Um, and, and, and frankly getting a little lucky with, with the regulatory environment. But the execution has been stymied a bit due to uh, a slowdown or or a regulatory environment not turning as quickly as many people had believed would happen well. or had hoped would happen. Wow. Okay. So I, I think it's, I, you know, certain people are going to think that they were sold a bag of goods, and that's going to happen at any time, but... You know, everybody's got to make their own decision as to what they want to invest in, and they know the risks. And, and and I don't believe that the investment banking community has gone out to try to dupe investors. I don't believe that's the intent or has been the intent.
0: Okay, but there's still sort of a, a unique set of challenges now from an IR point of view to um, bring retail investors I'm not sure if "back in the fold" is is the right word, but to to uh, to to keep them in the fold.
1: Well, we yeah, we we're, we we are certainly working very closely with our publicly traded companies and and our private companies to communicate how they're doing, what they're doing, and and how they're going to to make it through this challenging period. So the idea is not to go and, and hide in the corner, but it's to be out in front of it to make sure that um, that they're. Remaining part of the discussion and being very clear on their intent and why they're going to be one of the winners. We also represent one of the larger um, private equity funds uh, in the space, and we're having the same discussions with them. How are they supporting their portfolio companies? How are the portfolio uh, companies communicating uh, to um, to their constituents, and how the private equity fund is communicating? primarily to its uh, LPS
0: and you if I'm not mistaken you wrote a, a story in IR magazine I, you advocated I thought it was an interesting phrase over communication uh, with investors
1: well that, that the article that I that I just wrote for for IR magazine was not specific to cannabis it was a broader hmm. discussion about operating one in a global, environment that's very difficult and challenging, whereby investors are looking at their investments and making determination of what to buy, what to sell, and what to hold, and by communicating in a consistent manner, and in particular during this period of time, maybe even over-communicating to make sure investors keep you top of mind and understand what you're doing, I think will bode well for these companies over the
0: long term. And that's your ticker podcast my thanks to kcsa's jeffrey goldberger before we go i want to tell you about an upcoming special event ir magazine and corporate secretary are cooking up it's the summer edition of our esg integration forum this ain't your parents webinar kids mix with governance risk and compliance experts for roundtable discussions live q a with speakers one-on-one video chats instant chat with basically everybody i could go on that goes live 9 a.m wednesday morning this coming july 29th register at irmagazine.com that's it thanks for listening in montreal i'm jeff cassette